Hey ladies, welcome to the Diamond Hands podcast. So you want to own a med spa? Welcome to our community and explore the exciting industry of medical aesthetics and hear from experienced med spa owners and relevant industry experts to guide you on your path. Mindset, money, practice management, marketing, find it here. All right, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Diamond Hands, where we talk to the best in the business about the business. Today, we are so excited to have Gabrielle Pino. Um, she is the owner of Priva Med Spa of Fairfield. Thank you so much for being with us today. Leslie, thank you for having me. I love your energy this morning. <laughs> you know, a girl gotta do something. Um, but you know, so. You know, I'm so excited to have you, Gabrielle. So, you know, tell us, um, you know, everyone wants to know, tell us about your background. And you're a little bit different. You're not a nurse injector. You're a PA. So tell us a little bit about your background and why did you want to become a PA? Yeah, so I am originally from Detroit, Michigan. I um, was born and raised in a small town called Corktown in sort of the downtown area of Detroit. Um, when I was young, my parents always instilled in me grade school, high school, college. So my goal for so many years was go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grow up. I just knew that I was supposed to go to college. My parents weren't able to. So they instilled that in me that I was going to college. And it wasn't until I had an injury when I was about 13. And I had to um, attend some physical therapy sessions. And I really loved that. I loved what my physical therapist did. So I thought, you know, I like this. I think maybe I can uh, do something in the health, you know, the health field and mm -hmm. become a physical therapist. So um, I moved on and uh, went to Michigan. I enrolled in the kinesiology program with intentions of becoming a physical therapist. And it was at that time that I actually worked in a physical therapy clinic and realized that I was actually a little more interested in the procedural side of the medical field. So I considered going to medical school to become a surgeon. Um, and it was around that time that I was also introduced into the PA profession by a speaker who um, came to our program and, and introduced us to the PA, PA profession. Mm -hmm. So at that point I committed um, to becoming a PA. I liked the idea of a two to three year program as opposed to a lifetime <laughs> of education. Um, I think that investing in education is one of the most important things that you can do, but I also um, hoped to have a family someday. So becoming a PA was, was a nice balance. That's so awesome. So, you know, I know you, so you're a PA for some years. Yes. So, you know, tell us how did you get into the world of aesthetics and how were you kind of introduced to that? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, when I became a PA, I wasn't sure which field I would go into, but I knew that I was interested in surgery. And I thought that maybe someday I'd go into plastic surgery. You know, it sounded, it sounded like an interesting field. And, you know, I thought, oh, maybe someday when I'm burnt out from cardiac surgery, I'll you know, get into plastics because I can have weekends off or something like that. Mm -hmm. But as it turns out, um, I was looking for a plastic surgery rotation after my residency program, and I was offered a job at that uh, by that uh, by that rotation preceptor. Nice. And it happened to be in plastic surgery. 
That's so cool. So, you know, so plastic surgery, I mean, that's a really great background to have, I, I think, for this type of field because you're dealing with so many people's anatomy and everything. But, you know, so a question I want to ask, and I'm sure people want to know, is like, you know, how many years ago did you actually you know, get into aesthetics? And the field has changed, obviously, since, so you know. But, you know, like, what is one thing that is available for those now who are new to aesthetics that you wish you had access to when you just started? Like, how many years ago was that? And, like, what are your thoughts on that? So I started my job as a plastic surgery PA um, about 14 years ago. I became a PA 15 years ago, did the residency program, and I started as a plastics PA 14 years ago. And at that time, uh, training was limited. I think that now there is such an advantage because there are so many training programs. There are actual conferences dedicated to the non-surgical tech techniques of aesthetics. And we didn't have that. Mm -hmm. um, we were figuring that out at that time. You know, <laughs> I, I, thankfully I was, I was able to take, you know, some of the toxin courses by the manufacturers of the companies and, that's how I was trained. I was also trained by the surgeons that I worked with, mm -hmm. but we were still figuring a lot of those things out. So wow. there's definitely more training programs available. Um, and we also have more data and more research about potential complications and things like that, that we did not have back then. Yeah. So it's a continuously evolving uh, field for sure. Yeah. I find that so interesting. And, you know, so since your background was as a surgical PA, you know, as a business owner now, and you've been in this for the throes of this for a while, like how do you think your background as a surgical PA really shaped your success um, as a medical injector? Leslie, I had no idea that I was working on my business long before I ever knew I would own a business. I had no Tell idea. Tell me more. Like, what do you mean? So basically, besides the fact that I was practicing, you know, I was working with patients, I, I was gaining experience with direct patient care. Um, you know, I was learning to become a better technician, frankly, I was working with my hands, you know, building up those skills. But I was also building relationships, you know, and I was developing a network that I had no idea would benefit me um, later in life, especially as a business owner. I mean, that wasn't really a thought that crossed my mind many years ago. You know, I just sort of, I loved, I loved being a PA. I loved being an employee um, and I took pride in being a good employee. So I never really imagined that my path would, would bring me to business ownership. So, you know, something I would say to, to, to people who are sort of working for someone else and maybe have a dream of becoming a business owner, you're one step ahead. <laughs> you already know you're working toward that. But even if you're not, you know, just, just keep in mind that everything that you do on a daily basis could impact, you know, your future. Wow. That, that's so cool. And like, so we'll kind of, there's something I want to ask you about that later, you know, about how that impacted your business. But, you know, before um, we get into, you know, mindset shift, that's something I'm kind of interested about. Like, tell us more about the business that you own in Fairfield and, you know, a little bit about like, you know, the success of that practice there, the type of clientele you serve and, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. So 
I feel a little bit lucky about how I started this practice. Um, I was I was working with a surgeon for about six years or so, and the surgeon decided to relocate out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, he was looking for another surgeon to sort of buy his practice, um, and you know, just discussing that with people in the area who had well-established practices, um, and there wasn't a huge interest. Uh, for someone to to sort of buy the practice at the time with the timing that he needed to be able to move. So then he started looking at options for leasing the the real estate that he owned. And when I realized that that he sort of wanted to lease the real estate, I put my big girl pants on and I just said it. I just said, Dr. Zofer, what do you think? Why don't I lease the space? You know, wow. I, I was already, knowing that he was moving, I was already thinking about that dreaded, oh, I have to look for another job. My coworkers were thinking about, you know, what the future would hold. When would this happen? Where will everyone go? And mm-hmm. we had such a, we had such a solid foundation mm-hmm. that I thought it would be a shame to give this up. It would be a shame to let this go. So I took that step and I asked if it would be an opportunity, you know, if it would be a possibility. And he said, you know, let's talk. So we were able to work out an arrangement that allowed me to take ownership of the non-surgical side of the practice. Mm-hmm. While he continued to be owner of the surgical side of the practice. Wow. And that's such a, you know, I think that story is just so amazing just because like you said, relationships are so important. If you hadn't had this great relationship with this surgeon, he would have been like, bye, I'm going to Florida. And like, you know, that would have been the end. (laughs) He would have been in a hospital, maybe working for somewhere else. But, you know, from the sounds of it, you probably would have gotten into business yourself anyways. Um, (laughs) But I mean, I think that's so cool um, because I, I know a lot of people will talk about how do I find a medical director, this and that, this and that. But you actually had someone who was willing to do that kind of in your back pocket. Yes. Yeah, and the thought of him, you know, possibly moving, we weren't sure if he would be coming back to Connecticut where the practice is located. So I was in a position at times where I thought that I may need to find a new medical director. And and honestly, it wasn't a problem. You know, I hear um, new business owners, new medical spa owners asking all the time, how do I find a medical director? What do you pay them? You know, how do we compensate them? What is your business arrangement like? For me, it was simple. You know, I had him, but I also had developed so many relationships with other plastic surgeons over the years that they actually had an interest in becoming the medical director because at the end of the day, the non-surgical options are not for everyone. You know, there there may be something surgical that I have to refer to a surgeon, and I obviously want to do that with somebody that I trust, so... That's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, so, you know, so as you kind of came into business ownership, what would you say was your biggest mindset shift? Because now you have all these people around you that were kind of in a way your coworkers. And now you're coming in about, hey, I'm Gabby. I'm a boss now. So like, tell me about that transition. What was the biggest mindset shift you had to take on in order to kind of pony up to that position. So I was, I definitely did not have that feeling of 
I'm the boss in the beginning. <laughs> it took a long time. And I still think I'm learning to have that feeling at times. But um, I didn't know what a P&L was when I, be, you know, when I was thinking about taking on ownership. And I quickly learned what a P&L was. And when I recognized that I was going to be taking on the overhead of this entire practice, basically, but I was only going to generate the revenue of the non-surgical side and not the surgical side, I really had to go to the drawing board and try to figure out how I would be able to take that, you know, end, end line from red into green. Um, because at the point that I was starting, when you looked at the numbers, I was basically in the red a little bit. So one of the biggest expenses, um, besides the consumable expense, but one of the biggest fixed expenses is payroll. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, obviously I had to look at the providers. The, there were only two of us. It was myself. So I was keeping myself. <laughs> I had a nurse who performed some laser treatments and I felt that she was integral to the practice. So the, the next highest salary was in management. And there were many times when, you know, close friends or family sort of said, you, you can't, you, you can't keep your manager. You can't hire, you can't hire her. You know, she has a high salary. Um, she even said, she even came to me and said, Gabby, I, I don't think, I don't think we can do it. I don't think you can, I don't think you can do it. Wow. But the thought of her not being a part of it scared me a little bit. Because I knew that my expertise was on the clinical side. And I knew that I definitely did not have the business experience. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was okay with maybe taking a loss in my income for a year or two to be able to build the practice successfully um, while investing in her. And I have no regrets to this day about keeping her on. I think I also got a little lucky because I, I do have a great manager. Um, we compromised a little bit and we brought her from full-time to part-time, which, you know, worked out for the practice and it worked out for her a little bit too. So um, it was sort of a fair compromise that we both felt happy with and I wouldn't have it any other way. Wow. That's so great. And you know, that was kind of like your non-negotiable expense, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And there were times, there were times when, you know, people would come to me and say, I, I don't think you can do it. I don't, I don't think you should do it. Mm -hmm. And I just, that was one thing that I never, that I never budged with. And, and I'm so glad that I didn't. Wow. And, you know, so, I know that, you know, other business owners may skimp on it and they say, oh, I need to spend more money in marketing or spend more money on new machines and this and that and this and that. However, you know, just kind of based on your professional experience, you know, how do you think your practice would have suffered if you tried to kind of take on the business side and the clinical side while you were taking on all these new clients? How do you think it would have changed? Well, Part of the way that I needed to sort of balance that number to bring us a little bit closer to the green was by providing more services. I needed to be able to provide more services. So I couldn't 
give more hours in the day to the clinical side in order to generate more revenue if I didn't have somebody working on the business aspect of it. I mean, the business aspect of it requires like daily, you know, daily updates, a daily commitment. And it was something that, you know, I knew I wouldn't be able to sort of raise the, the clinical side without having someone working on that part of it for me. Mm, yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, kind of that backbone, you know, front relationship that's so important. Exactly. That's so cool. And uh, so, you know, we kind of touched upon this, but maybe kind of, you can kind of expound upon this a little bit more, but how did some of your early business relationships really position you for success in your practice? So I think that I'm not sure that it was the business relationships early on. Um, you know, I think that sort of makes me think of, of something that when I was planning my practice from the beginning, I watched the surgeon that I was working with sell his practice. I was watching him trying to sell his practice. Mm. And I realized that he was selling a practice that was branded to him. He was the surgeon. He was providing the service. Everyone wanted Dr. Sofer. Mm. They didn't want plastic surgery center of Fairfield. They want Dr. Sofer. And they're willing to travel. They're willing to go to Florida to see him, right? Mm -hmm. But so one of the things I thought of when I was building my practice was the end. You know, I knew I had this vision that I was already thinking of, I was already thinking of the exit strategy before I started building the business. And I spent so much time thinking about the exit strategy. And listen, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I still have a, hopefully a good 20 plus years in this industry. Yeah. But, but I started to think about that because I knew that in order to be able to do that someday, somehow, that I would have to think about that from the, from the beginning. And it really started with a vision. So I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't have a website for the first year and a half in my practice. I focused on our existing client base. I did not focus on new patients. I really focused on taking care of the patients who were already in our practice. I mean, we didn't have a sign on our building. We still don't have a sign on our building and we're, you know, almost <laughs> two years in here. We're getting close. Hopefully that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really focused on the patients and I focused on the vision. Mm, that's so good. And I think that kind of goes into the next question because, you know, a recurring word that I hear from you and I really love is this word of commitment. And it's like you're, and I can tell like you're, even when I was interviewing you for the book, it's like you're very, um, you're, you're very good at understanding what you can do and what you can't do, you know, and, and I love that about you. So commitment kind of goes into the next thing. It's like, you know, so like, what is your why? You talk about vision. Like, what's your why? Why do you do this? Yes, I'm very committed to my career. Anyone who knows me knows that I'll give 110% to, to my career, my job, my patients, my staff, um, our staff. I never even say my, because it's really our practice. Um, mm -hmm. We did this together uh, with the staff. But at the end of the day, 
part of the reason I became a PA and didn't go to medical school was so that I would be able to have some flexibility, you know, in my life. And it's very easy to lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a mother, as a wife, it's very easy to, to sort of lose sight of that because you're so committed and you don't want this to fail. And there are so many ways that it could fail that mm-hmm. I commit 110%, but there are so many hours in the day, right? So ha- you have to pull from somewhere. So where did I pull from? I pulled from I'm not working out as much as I should. I'm not seeing my family as much as I should. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a few years ago, and this was before even becoming a business owner, when my daughter said to me, Mom, you know, are you going to be able to make it to a soccer game this season? And I thought, what the heck am I doing? What am I doing? You know, my my family comes first, really. So that was when I knew that I really needed to to carve out that time with my family. And listen, I'm not, I'm still not the best at it. I'm still learning every Mm -hmm. single day how to balance work with life. Mm -hmm. Um, But as long as you never lose sight of the fact that that comes first, um, I think that, you know, you'll be successful at both. Yeah. I think that's a really great tip just because, you know, some, some, you know, people that are watching may not be owning their business yet. They may be thinking about it and they may be like, oh my goodness, how do I do all this? But what you said is so salient, you know, carving out that time. Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully I have a good support system at home. You know, there, it was tough in the beginning. There was an adjustment for everyone in the family, you know, understanding that, hey, you're the boss. You should be able to have that time off. But actually, I'm my toughest boss. I am wow. my boss. I, every boss I've ever had before me was so much easier on me. They were so much nicer to me. I am my toughest boss. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I know that I don't want to leave at the end of the day until everything has been done. And, wow. you know, I, but when I do that, I can, I can leave and I can go home and I can shut it off. Yes. Again, I'm still improving at that. My husband will tell you, I'm, I'm still working on that. <laughs> Do you have any time for me tonight? Like, I'm getting there. That's so great, and I and I and I love it when I and I see women who are, you know, um, they're providers in their family. You know, I, I think that's so wonderful to see. <laughs> You know, so I think that that's really great. It's like, you're the entrepreneur. It's like, you know, like, that's and, cool. you know, and that's the thing. You, you have to have a support system. You, you really do. Because I know, I know that my daughter's okay. Mm-hmm. Because my husband's hours sort of overlap with mine a little bit where he can be home a little bit earlier. And I know she's okay while mm-hmm. I'm here. So I think that having a support system is really important. If this is a field that you're getting into. Because if you don't have that, you're, you're going to constantly worry and think about it. And you're never going to be able to commit 100% to the one thing that you're doing. So at that mm-hmm. time, if it's work, you're never going to be able to commit to that. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a big deal. Um, I, have a, I have a friend. Um, she's um, a, a clinical therapist. And she's like, and one of her biggest quotes, she says, I got to shout her out, I guess, Kate Krakow. She's amazing. But one of the things that she says, she's like, you have to commit or quit. 
It's true. And and I and I think so many people they come into this and they think they can dabble. Like you know, I talked to one and she's and she's and and she's dabbling. You know, and she's just like, oh, you know, I still work per diem this many days. Da 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 da. da. And I'm just like, you know, some people might have to do that, but it's like if you can't commit and just go forth in your vision, it, you can't make the best thing. Right. You just can't. And so it's just it's interesting because some people will, will have that non-committal have a behavior for years, yeah. <laughs> years and years. Well, prior to owning my own business, I did that for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, I worked a couple days with one surgeon and then I worked a couple days with another surgeon and I worked in the hospital. And for me, it was always, I always needed to have that security of knowing that mm. I have work, that I have hours, that I have a job. If one doesn't work out, the other one is there. And part of it was also, my sort of drive to work hard. I mean, I, that's just sort of been ingrained in me and, and it's been, it was hard to give that up, but, <laughs> but there was a point in the beginning where when I was transitioning from plastic surgery specifically to aesthetics, um, there was a little bit of that dabble because I was afraid to give up surgery. Mm. I didn't want to give up surgery. You know, a former employer once said to me, you know, it would be a shame for you to not be in the OR. And, and I sort of remember that statement. And, and in a sense, it was true because, mm -hmm. because I felt like I had a niche in the OR. Mm -hmm. But when I finally made the decision to give up the OR, mm -hmm. I was able to commit yeah. to aesthetics. And I became a better non-surgical provider when I did that. And that's amazing. It's that whole burn the ships concept. <laughs> like, you know, you got to burn the ships. So. No, it's okay. I've accepted it. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want me in the hour. Every now and then, every now and then I was going back until about a year ago. But. Yeah. You know, it's hard to give up. <laughs> it's true. So, you know, so for the, so for the, you know, new practitioner interested in becoming an aesthetic entrepreneur, what would be your one piece of advice or a couple nuggets you want to leave with them? You know, I think that as a provider in the aesthetic field, there's a very common theme lately to want to have your own practice, but it's not, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. I feel that luck brought me to this position. Um, I'm not sure that this is something that I would have pursued had luck not brought me here. Um, I'm grateful that it did. But I think that, you know, there, you, you have to sort of recognize that at the end of the day, it, it has, you cannot be in it for the money. It is not about the money. Yes. You have to be in it because you love what you do. Um, you, you know, because it's... <laughs> Uh, there is, there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of flexibility with owning your own business, but with that flexibility comes responsibility. And, and I think that the responsibility that's required of me is exponentially higher than the flexibility that's offered. So if you're able to, you know, to sort of balance it in that way, and you're able to, you know, give yourself and be responsible and, you know, commit yourself, then you'll have the benefit of, of the flexibility. Um, and don't forget, be the provider, be the practitioner, phone a friend. <laughs> you, need, <laughs> you need someone who knows business to work alongside you. 
hire the professional. You need professional legal advice. You need professional accounting advice. Don't do it all yourself. You know, it's it's the easy way out and it'll bite you later if you mm. do it that way. Wow, that's really great advice. So, you know, I'm sure everyone wants to know how to reach you and, you know, check out your Instagram and your work and everything. <laughs> so, Gabby, so first of all, let us know where your business is located and let us know how we can find you on social media. Thank you. So, Priva Metzpa Fairfield is in Fairfield, Connecticut. We are just about an hour outside of New York City, a couple of hours from Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is www.privamedspa.com, P-R-I-V-A, medspa.com. And um, my Instagram is at PlasticsPAGabby. <laughs> awesome. Great. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Such great nuggets. You're so inspirational. Your mom boss. Take bring home the bacon for the family. I love it. Hashtag mom boss. Exactly. We have to hashtag that. But again, thank you so much. Thank you, Leslie. Okay. Like what you heard? Please leave us a review. I appreciate you listening and your support. Follow us on Instagram at Plan Life Happens and comment on this episode's post. Also, I appreciate your feedback and ideas. Improving is the name of the game. I'm Leslie Tracy, your host. Thanks for listening.